Hello there, this is Thomas Holopainen of the band Nightwish with Frederick and next to me is Flora, also from Nightwish. We're sitting here in uh, Frederick's Starke, uh, his apartment, looking at all kinds of memorabilia and books. What more do we see? I see a very familiar instrument behind me. Yeah, sounds like a beautiful piano. Mm-hmm. I'm super psyched to have you here. Good to be here. Thanks for having Indeed. us. I remember once when I went to the Sweden Rock Festival down in the south of Sweden, everyone on the area was wearing Nightwish t-shirts. And there was this special Nightwish t-shirt with the message, Beauty comes with dark thoughts, which is a quote from Wish I Had an Angel. Um, How did you come up with that line? Oh, those days of the teenage angst. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> lots of trouble in love life and all that so those lyrics were written in I think 2003 so 17 years ago I'm happy we've evolved a little bit from those days <laughs> but uh, matured like a good wine <laughs> beauty comes with dark thoughts there's yeah. this German industrial band called Einstelz and the Neubauten they have a song called Keine Schönheit ohne Gefahr no beauty without danger. Uh, wouldn't agree with that, I'm afraid. Maybe back in the days when uh, my worldview was a bit more on the dark side. But these days we're much more happy campers. You're happy campers now. <laughs> do, you, do, do you think most people change like that? Or? Oh, depends on the From, from teenage angst to something else? Well, you in any way mature into something else. Hopefully you see the positive things of life and you... Learn to trust yourself a bit more, learn to know yourself a little bit more. And from there you grow a self-confidence that's on the positive side of things. Yeah, well, that's human nature, I guess, which coincidentally is the title of your new album. I, I thought it was the Michael Jackson reference. Human nature, that's one of his That's songs. one of his songs, yeah. But this is human dot symbol nature dot. So it's slightly different. And it's a double album with um, nine songs on the first disc and then this epic 30-minute track on the second disc, which is divided into eight songs. The, the first one seems to be about culture and the other one about nature. Is that how That's you should interpret it? That's sort of the idea, yeah. And the, Originally, it wasn't even supposed to be a double album. We just faced some physical limits when it comes to printing on a CD. It only takes about 78 minutes of audio, and the length of the album is around 83 minutes. So either it was dropping out one song or do a double album. And it actually makes perfect dramatic sense to have the first nine songs on disc one, then you have a little breather, you put on the second disc and go into the nature for half an hour. So are you culture or nature people? Both, I think. Uh, They don't exclude each other. No, they even coexist very naturally. I mean, we are essentially very much part of nature. If you only think that 98% of our DNA is exactly the same as a chimpanzee, mm-hmm. or how similar are we to a banana again? Did even just a banana, we're... That was like 40% or something. Yeah, it's unbelievable. Yes. So Yeah, I sometimes feel like a vegetable. Yeah. We all do. Yeah, we have a vegetable This morning moments. when I woke up at five o'clock, I felt like a cauliflower. <laughs> yeah, I bet. <laughs> Especially since we came in quite late last night. So, yeah, it's... Uh, but. We are we are the only species that can have both. Uh, that divides us perhaps from the other species. But other than that, we're very much part of it, and 
it's a nice thing to be reconnected to to nature. And I know here here in Sweden, for sure. I mean, I'm Dutch. I've been living in Sweden for four years now, and before that, a year also in Finland. People seem to be a bit closer to nature because they're less people. It's a bigger bigger country, more nature directly around you. Maybe not when you're in the middle of a city, but most people seem to be, yeah, grown up with with a yeah a love for it. That's not a given for everybody in the world, but it's a beautiful thing to be in touch with. There's a track called Anthropocene, named after the geological period when humans started to change the climate. Um, and what we're experiencing now with global warming and everything is basically the result of the Anthropocene period. Not but, only climate, but the whole world, the way the world is with the Industrial Revolution and all that. So the scientists actually came up with this word, and now I think it's an official term. Somebody told me like a, a geological de- period, like Creta yeah. or Parm Carbon or That's whatever. That's right. Now we are it. living the age of Anthropocene. And what made you interested in this? I couldn't imagine anybody not being interested about the big questions when it comes to science, existence, universe, what's going on in the world. So I just came across that term while reading a Richard Dawkins book and thought, what a cool term, what does it mean? Okay, excellent. This is going to make a perfect song title. And how much do you think about like the global warming crisis? I'm not actually losing sleep over it, but it's a serious matter that we need to tackle as human species at the moment. I would personally think that the biggest things that we have to face in the near future are technological revolution and climate change. There are important issues that we need to be aware of. But also I think we should be reminded more often about the positive aspects of what the humankind has achieved and where the planet is going. And um, that's also something that we would like to achieve on Human Nature album to give people this a bit more optimistic view of the world. Because we are constantly bombarded by the media um, about the bad stuff that's going on, that the world is going to hell and uh, the planet is going to explode soon, all that nonsense. And like I mentioned, there are things that need to be tackled with, but think about the achievements of technology, medicine, um, slavery, women's rights, animal rights. Uh, Imagine going to the dentist 150 years ago instead of now. So there's so much going for the good. So I wish we were reminded about these aspects a bit more often because optimism feeds optimism. I read this article by someone who felt that perhaps if the planet became inhabitable for humans, maybe, you know, the next step in human evolution is actually robots. If we somehow could put a human conscience inside a machine, you know, they would carry on and we wouldn't need our biological bodies anymore. Well, when you look at the people with their smart devices these days, it looks like we're on our way there (laughs) already. (laughs) You shot the cover photo for the album at the Museum of uh, Natural History in London. Actually, we took the promotional band shots there. The cover artwork for the album is a separate thing. The video for your single Noise seems to be about how humanity is enslaved by cell phones. Is it? (laughs) Well, 
maybe there's a part of it in the video where we where we show a lot of people completely hooked and addicted to cell phones but on a broader meaning to this video it's way more about our sorry i need to take this <laughs> oh, it's the phone don't worry picking yeah. up his phone <laughs> go on okay. it, we're so addicted to it to the to the flat it, it, that's the wrong way to say it the the the, the complete you, you really got me there <laughs> <laughs> See? instantly distracted hard to focus on anything with a meaning uh, completely addicted to something superficial that ha- doesn't really exist the lack of living in the real world and um yeah visualized by showing people that maybe on the outside uh, look great, the mom of a beauty page and everything is beautiful, but behind the scenes she's just pure evil to her daughter who does not get to do whatever she wants. Um, she's trapped in her world or where you are a tree-hugging, you know, activist pro-planet, but in real life you care more about your views on your page than about the planet. It's, uh, it tackles a lot of more things, but it's not only looked at from a negative angle. Uh, because towards the very end of the film, um, well, it's almost like a film, uh, very filmic anyway, um, there's light, there's a real world. You see you see the people entrapped in their, in their worlds rise up and there is a real world with real sunlight. It's still there. Yeah, and th- mm. Thomas, you play a narcissistic climax activist in the video. Or like you said, for a tree It's sort of like an environmentalist who doesn't really know what he believes in because I carry this sign and on the other side it says pro-nuclear power, on the other side against nuclear power. So I just go with the flow, what the people want to see and at my private time I do something completely different, play with my rubber duck and bathe in oil. (laughs) And you, Flor, you sing, crave the machine, rever the screen, Zoom in for flack and misery, bleed some pixels, and then you have become tool of a tool, digital ghouls telling you to shut up and dance. I noticed that the expression tool of a tool is a reference to Henry David Thoreau's book Walden, this classic about leaving civilization and moving out into the woods, which he did when he wrote that book back in 1854. Um, He was so sick of the modern world that he needed to you know, move into a little cabin and stay there. And he, he wrote, men have become the tools of their mm-hmm. tools. Money is not required to buy one necessity of the soul. Exactly. And that's a very important point because on this video, we are not criticizing cell phones per se. We're criticizing the addiction because as tools, smartphones and technology is brilliant. And the potential that they can do is just overwhelming. And it makes me really, really sad and frustrated to see how we use this potential machine that's being given to us. Some of the social media programs or social media apps are constructed by people who work with psychologists who know how the brain works. So they basically try to create some kind of addiction. So you constantly get notifications about you know who liked your late, late, latest mm-hmm. um, thing yeah. on Facebook. Digital you know, it's, ghouls. It's highly addictive. <laughs> how, how much... Time do you spend on social media yourself? Almost nothing. I like to sometimes scroll through my personal Facebook. Um, I post once a year, I think, maybe twice. I don't have anything to tell that I haven't already told to the people that I care about. 
whom I actually meet in the real world. I might even call them. I mean, I immigrated, so and I travel a lot, so that there are a lot of people I can't meet in person. But then I actually call them, and then there's even text messages, which I still don't really think covers the load. If you want to have contact with people, but social media, yeah. But I like to look at, I like to read things on it. I follow all these pages, science pictures, pages, for instance, or nature um, pages, and uh, even though they also tend to really throw out a lot of negative energy i quite uh, rarely started to follow pages that come with good news like china used 40,000 of their soldiers to plant trees never heard of that in the news i suppose or india there's a village there where they plant a tree for every baby girl that's born and now there's a big big forest that symbolizes the love for their women. You only read rape stories. So I think, yeah, for that, my social media works very positive. <laughs> yeah, again, the potential is there. I like the idea of social media. Like, I love the idea that suddenly everybody has a voice in the form of a tweet, for example. We're in the essence of democracy here. It's just the way people use it. And yeah. I'm not in social media at all, never have been. It's not really a thing for me, but I don't judge people who go there. It's just the way how you use it. And that, and it seems that despite its name social media, we haven't really got, gotten to a real social form of it yet. It's not like it is in the real life as in communication. I can write to you from the safety of my you know, anonymous seat at home that I think you're an asshole, but I would never say that to you in, li- in, in real person. Um, not in that way for sure, or so hurtful and so... And, and and it's a power that we are not used to have and where we haven't really learned to behave. I really hope, and maybe that's the, the hope of a mother too, because I have a daughter who's now three, that by the time that she goes online, that we've, that we've come a, b- a bit further and that it is becoming a good tool to be in touch with people in the most, in the nice civilized way that we usually do in real life as well. It can be m- more of a reflection of that other than the whole thing on its, yeah, on itself. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number smart beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number limited edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. 
Um, we're going to play um, Night 13 from Ari, and uh, I picked that song because it's, um, well, my favorite of, of the album, <laughs> and um, uh, maybe a bit awkward for Tuomas, because he's it's his project with Troy, one of our bandmates. Yeah, it's your side, side project. His, yeah, or, well, whatever the word for is, it's a, it's a beautiful, beautiful album, and... Uh, Um, yeah, I fell in love with it from the get-go. I'm not completely of a, uh, objective because I know and love everybody who made the music, but maybe just because of that it became so favorite. But it's just a wonderful, wonderful music that if you haven't heard it, I hope you'll enjoy it. Speaking of cell phones, sometimes I get, get a feeling that my, you know, nervousness about social media is a bit like when my grandmother told me that I would become radioactive if I watched too much television. <laughs> you see, we've been taught to fear everything from the young age. Whatever is new must be scary. <laughs> uh, how do you feel about cell phones at your concerts? Well, it's great if, if people want to take a picture and share the moment. I really can imagine that you want to do that. Then again, we're only there one and a half, two hours exclusively with you. Is that really the right moment to be on the phone, to send long messages right in front of our noses? Is it really necessary to make a, a video of half the show that sounds distorted and, you know, the lights are just too bright for your phone anyway to be good? Um I, I would really hope that people can enjoy to be in the here and the now on that actual moment with us without the constant distraction of cell phones. <laughs> Absolutely. Uh, a while ago, I went to see Hans Zimmer live in Helsinki. Maybe the best show I've ever seen. And not once, not one second, I thought that I would have to take a cell phone from my pocket and start filming or even take a photo. It was, it was so immersive. I just wanted to suck in every second of it. I can handle, you know, cell phones. They, they don't disturb me. But when people hold up iPads that are quite big, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, yeah. that can be annoying. It, yeah, and from the point of view of, you know, where we are standing, if you have that thing in front of your face, we're not having an interaction anymore. We're just looking at the back of your phone or the back of your your and i recently did a few smaller uh shows in the netherlands sort of a solo thing i did and people were in in one of the shows they were right in front of me right just literally half a meter away having their arms leaning over the stage people were just texting right in front of me as i was singing and i i can't help but think that that is just horrible 
I'm right here. I'm putting everything I have in in these notes, in this every moment. You know, do they even watch it? Well, they then find out that the sound is so distorted that you can't really enjoy it. <laughs> Probably. I don't, I don't know how that works. <laughs> I remember Prince banning cell phones completely. Yeah. I wouldn't go a, that far. He, he had a, you know, he wanted to control everything that was online about him. So it, Prince even mm. said about 10 years ago that the internet is over. Wow. Good luck winning that fight. Yeah, yeah and he also he never wanted his music to be streamed on Spotify. He mm -hmm. just flatly refused. And then about like four weeks after his death, <laughs> sure enough, all the songs yeah. ended up on Spotify. Well, I think there are a lot of artists uh, that in the beginning of all of this, which is not that long ago, it's all completely recent. It's, it's a huge change and uh, it's in a constant move there as well. So I don't Yeah, I can understand his emotion there, um, but maybe if he would still be alive today, he, he would have changed his mind because he realized that there there is no way to control it. You need to kind of ride the modern the modern wave, but try to personalize it without, you know, giving away everything. That's, that's a fine line we're walking to. 3.30 in the morning, not a soul in sight. City's looking like a ghost town on the moon of summer. Thomas, you wanted to play a song by an artist who's actually not on Spotify. Garth Brooks, Thunder Rolls. I went to America in 1992 for a year as an exchange student, and this album was the biggest thing in the country. It was playing everywhere, especially this song, The Thunder Rolls. And I just became completely in love with the song. And it was the biggest thing ever in America back in the day. So it brings back a lot of memories. I'm not a big country music fan per se, but this album is brilliant. She's pacing by on the telephone in her faded flannel gown. Asking for a miracle, I'm hoping she's not alright. Praying it's the weather that has kept him out all night. And the thunder rolls. The thunder rolls. The thunder rolls. And the lightning strikes. It reminds me of. I think Thomas must have played this to me in, uh, in the, the Nightliner, maybe even in the States. On your Could bus, be your, yeah. Yeah. I don't know if people have the same, but I really have visual memories of songs. I can and get a picture of um, where I was before when I, when I heard it. This is a sad song about infidelity, the, the woman waiting for the man to get home. And then finally he comes home and then she smells another woman's perfume on her husband. Yeah, it's a bit on the cheesy side, isn't it? It doesn't matter. It's still I, I, I a great quite, song. I quite like it. I have a you know, problem with mo modern country and it's, uh, you know, it's so, always so polished. But th these lyrics are pretty good. Yeah, they are. It's really dark. That's what I like about it. And the thunder rolls. And the thunder rolls. Some Nightwish songs bring you kind of to ancient magical places or times. Um, and you, you, some of your steampunky stage clothes have this 19th century vibe. Do you ever wish that you'd been born in another era? God, no. no. <laughs> Hell no. <laughs> 
I mean, yeah, the same thing that I've been saying for a long time. Imagine going to the dentist 150 years ago. No, I'm really glad that I was born to this time and place. Same here. Imagine being a woman 150 years ago. No, thank Mm. you. (laughs) A quick visit with a time machine would be great. Yeah. But no longer. One of your fans once asked you which fantasy world you would like to live in after you die. And Thomas, you (sighs) said the Moomin Valley. Yeah, that's a good choice. You seem to have a deep passion for Tove Jansson and her her characters. You've even, uh, there were references to the Moomins on the Imaginarium album. Talvi, the song, yeah. Trollvinter, I think it's called in Swedish. But yeah, uh, I grew up with those books. Um, and the stuff that gets into you when you're a kid and a teenager that makes a big impression, they stay there forever. And even as an adult, when I've read those books, they're still equally brilliant. And they are so multi-layered that uh, as a grown-up, you find a whole different layer there. Just fantastic stuff. I think Tuve Jansson was a genius. I saw fan art. One of your fans had done a drawing of you, Thomas, in a boat getting drunk with uh, the Hattifnattarna, the, the Hattivatti in Hattivatti. Yeah. <laughs> I've always been fascinated by them because they're like electrically charged ghosts. Yeah. And they're not born, they're grown. You, no. you, you grow Hattifnattar by planting seeds on That's Midsummer's right. Eve. And they react only to light and heat, nothing else. And they just sway about. And they're dangerous because if you touch them, you 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 get shocked. Yeah. You get an electrical shock. So what's all that about? It's brilliant. I'm not you, sure. They, you they, wouldn't they, have to happen to have the photo uh, or I'll, the drawing. I'll, I'll look it up like to see later. It. It's it's a beautiful picture of you in a boat with a hat if not are drunk. <laughs> Uh, yes, you look very drunk. What's that about? <laughs> but are, are they your f- favorite characters in that in the world of Tobi Hansson? Uh, Snufkin would be my favorite. Who's Snufkin? Nuska Moikkunen. Snus Mumriken. Ah, Snus Mumriken. Oh. He's a bit of a loner, isn't he? Yeah, sort of a social loner. It's like looking into the mirror. He likes living in the tent. He likes smoking his pipe and just wonder about. I can relate to that. You kind of have the same hat. I think his is bigger and more pointy. Yeah, and green. And green. So actually, it's nothing like this. No, but it's also a hat. But it's a hat. <laughs> no, but those stories work pretty well for adults as well. Um, like with um, Moran, the huge monster who um, was a she. Oh, yeah. And Murga. she. What's it called in Finnish? Murga. Murga. Yeah. I okay, think. she's scary but really sad character. She's lonely and she's just looking for acceptance, maybe. But uh, she's so repulsive and cold that nobody dares to come to her. That's pretty metal. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we yeah, should start a, a black metal project about this. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm getting I'm getting good visuals here. Yeah, I also already know what to wear. Which is the most important thing in this. I was high on black metal when I was a teenager, and I still like that genre a lot, so maybe a flashback to my teenage years. If we could maybe slip into a midlife crisis at one point, then we could totally yeah. do that. I wonder what Tuva Jansson would think about the lyrics that we would do. It would all be based in the Moomin Valley. Yeah. yeah. Black metal about Moomins. 
It has to be really polite yeah. and nice, though. Don't anybody go stealing the idea now. Oh, we just said it. Um. Yeah. <laughs> Thomas, you actually had a side project where you recorded an entire album about uh, Scrooge McDuck, Joachim von Anka in, in Swedish. It was um, mm-hmm. the, the soundtrack to the graphic novel The Life and Times of Scrooge McDuck by Don Rosa, yeah. one of the most famous Donald Duck um, uh, cartoonists. How did that project come about? just had to be done. It's my all-time favorite graphic novel, one of the best stories ever written. And uh, whenever I would read that, I, I would hear music, like really strongly, I would hear music. So it just had to come out of the system. And I couldn't really do it under the name of Nightwish, because I don't think that the other band members have such a passionate relationship with Joachim Anka as I do. So I had to do it on my own this once. Was it Joachim Anka? Joachim von Anka. Joachim von Anka. Von Anka. What's his name in Finnish? Robe Anka. Like rubber? Like Robert. R-O-O-P-E. Okay, not rubber, like stealing. No, no, no. Robe. They didn't do some anti-capitalistic translation of Scrooge McDuck. No, completely the opposite. Coming up is uh, a song from Evergrey, great Swedish band, of course, and the song is called In Orbit. And you're on guest vocals here. Yeah. With Evergrey. Yeah. I'm so proud of that still. I mean, I listened to Evergrey since I was a teen as well. And uh, played lots of lots of shows with them in the time I had my Dutch band after forever. And uh, I guess I, I got introduced to them differently uh, as I moved to Sweden. And I I married their ex-drummer. Uh, who's in Sabaton now. Who's right? now in Sabaton, indeed. Yeah, but of course uh, played in Evergrey for years and uh, yeah got friends with, with Tom the singer and um, more in touch with the rest of the band again and so when I was asked to, to do some guest vocals I happily said yes and yeah when I had to choose a song from them well I didn't have to but I wanted to play a song of, of Evergrey uh, here today I, I thought it would be nice to, to pick that one How much did you listen to Nightwish before joining them in 2012? Uh, well, I, quite a bit actually. Since uh, since I uh, we kind of started at a similar period of time. Uh, they were a little bit earlier um, where they came with their first things. That was around the time that I started to sing in After Forever, which was '97, and. Um, Yeah, I was really interested in other bands with female singers, um, but always loved more powerful voices, which is 
kind of hard to find in that time. And uh, of course, um, uh, first first lady in in uh, Nightwish Daria had such a Diff- different sound than the rest. It was fascinating to hear that type of operatic singing in 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 a band. Uh, so I, I was uh, definitely following it. And of course, the band was the first one to to grow faster and bigger than than all the others. And uh, yeah, so it, it. I remember coming to a show even in Belgium. Bebop. It's still a very small place, but back then it was a huge thing for which, me to come and see. Yeah, if only I can remember that. But it, it must be one of the, the earlier Before ones. we ever met. Yes. You mean? Okay. Yeah, so yeah, it must be 99 maybe. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> yeah. Is it correct that you had to learn the entire set list in two days when you joined Nightwish? Yeah. How, how did that work out? Well, <laughs> it worked. Pretty good, actually. Pretty good. <laughs> I mean, there I was lucky that I did know um, the older songs on the set list. It, it was in the Imaginarium um a world tour. I stepped in halfway a North American tour. Because that's when and Annette Olsen quit. Yeah, or, yeah, yeah. When things went south between her and the band, uh, I flew in and uh, um, yeah, uh, the guys did one show with the singers from the uh, support act, basically. And the audience, really special show. Uh, and on that day, I was basically sitting in, a, in an airplane on my way to uh, to the to the states, so there I was happy. I, I knew a little bit from the from the older work, even though I never heard Imaginarum. So I, I had a fast course there, and and I never actually sang the old songs. I just maybe sang along with them at some point in time, and yeah, it was lots of information to take in, but. It's somehow worked. And of course, it wasn't so that I knew all the lyrics and everything by the time the first show happened. So I heard it about coming on the Saturday, happily said yes, jumped in a plane. And on Monday evening, we did the show. And uh, with help of uh, everybody on stage, the crew and, off stage and the as audience, well. yeah. yeah, it went. Uh, we, yeah, I had lyrics everywhere on the on this. <laughs> Is this now? Do I have to sing now? <laughs> the, the songs are incredibly complex if you yeah, compare them to like it. you know ordinary metal songs yeah it, that's the thing it's not just the, the the lyrics or the melody it's also when in the song what comes but uh it was a good puzzle that we we, we made and the audience was remarkably open-minded to me coming in and helping me out and yeah they got something super special yeah they yes yeah yeah yeah, yeah that's it really was. It was so incredibly scary for everybody because we, yeah, it's it's up or out. We can cancel, or we we can we can continue, and uh, we continued, and it was it went really really well considering all the challenges there. So this is a wonderful life by the artist Black. Rest in peace. It's one of. Is he dead? Yes, I think he died. Yeah. Yeah. Correct me if I'm wrong, but yeah. Well, anyway, it's my top ten desert island songs of all time. And the funny thing is that it took me about thirty years to realize what the lyrics are actually about.
What is he singing about? Uh, it's my personal story. I'm not gonna tell you what I think he's singing about. But uh, in my opinion, he's singing about the complete opposite of what I thought he was singing about. I remember reading an interview where, where he said that he was very depressed when he wrote this, and that he didn't feel that it was such it's a wonderful very life. bittersweet. That's the whole idea of the song. I love the Caribbean sound. It mm-hmm. almost sounds like steel drums. Yeah, the melody and the chords, how they collide with the lyrics is just magical. I know that at one point some fan asked you if you would tour with a full orchestra and you said that that would need to be something really, really special, like Nightwish featuring live orchestra and choir with special guests David Attenborough and David Blaine and the whole of Cirque du Soleil performing live on the surface of the moon. I love that idea. Yeah, Maybe the last one is a bit over the top. Do you the think? Moon. But everything else. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you think? <laughs> Well, the sky's the limit. (laughs) Nightwish has been going for 25 years now, or next year you will celebrate 25 years. What do you remember best from this long period? Uh, The growth and the evolution of the band and getting over some massive obstacles on the way. And that's something that makes me really proud of the whole band, that we have always been able to take the next step when it comes to the musicianship and doing the albums, but also um, overcome the bad times and always being able to come out in a better place. And at this moment in 2020, the band really is in a really good place. So which were the biggest obstacles? Uh, lineup changes by far. First, Tarja Turunen. And first the bass player. The bass player quit first. Yes, that was in 2000. Then Tarja, then Annette, and then the drummer uh, Jukka. So there has been four lineup changes. And it is truly the ultimate energy vampire uh, changing a band member. So I hope and wish and think that this lineup will be the last one for this band. Sometimes bands feel as if they, they work like, you know, families. So it's basically like... A, an ordinary divorce. At least with Nightwish, it's more than just a bunch of people who play music together. I mean, we are closer than that. So how close were you to quitting altogether? Uh, Back in the days uh, when the first crisis came, then it was pretty close. But after that, not really. We've always found a way. I'd like to play you 
a track that you've covered live as an intro a few times. Hmm. Finlandia, Finlandia by yeah. Jean Sibelius. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. I actually thought that this was the Finnish national anthem, but it, it's not. It, it feels not like that. Not officially, but it does feel like that, yeah. And many, many people think it should be. I don't really have an opinion on that. But yeah, we used to play this as an introduction for the live shows a few years ago, maybe like 10 years ago or something. And also Troy has covered this song in one of his solo albums before we ever knew each other. That's a nice little coincidence as well. I looked it up and it turned out that this used to be the national anthem of one country. Estonia? Uh, No, um, Biafra. Biafra? The short-lived country Biafra, which only existed for a few years in the late 60s. Now, now it's part of Nigeria. But Biafra took this melody and put words to it. And that's how they created a national anthem. Really? Incredible. I didn't know that. It's not very common for metal bands, even symphonic metal bands, to be kind of led by their keyboard player, to, to have the keyboard player as, mm. you know, the, the basis of, of the band. Um, of course, you, you have some progressive rock bands like Emerson Lake Palmer and Soft Machine, even Supertramp. Is it sometimes difficult to um, please metal fans who prefer guitars and think that, you know, synthesizers are blasphemous or something? <laughs> Difficult to please metal fans. I 
really don't think that kind of stuff. None of us do. But I do think that it brings an interesting angle to the songs of Nightwish when a keyboard player does the metal stuff. And especially I think it brings a really interesting angle to the vocals because I write most of the vocal melodies and the lyrics, but I'm not a singer myself. I can't sing. I don't know the nuances of singing. So when I do a melody and do the lyrics and in my head I hear how it should sound like and it sounds brilliant. And then I introduce it to the singers of the band and sometimes they go, this is really, really difficult. <laughs> you know, singing is not about this. And I say, why not? Do, do it like that. Yeah. <laughs> so I think that brings an interesting challenge. And we discussed about this with uh, Troy the other day, that that's an interesting approach. So it may bring something new to the vocals when a person who cannot sing at all does that part. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, 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 <laughs> Especially I so. on this new album. The, some of the melodies indeed were like, yeah, I don't think a singer would have come up with it like that. But that makes the sound become extraordinary. And then, then yeah, I feel properly challenged to get it out uh, vocally so that it sounds like a vocal melody other than a melody that that, that is maybe... Uh, um, in its essence, more suitable for an instrument. But then the voice becomes that instrument. And there comes the challenge to add words and the emotion of the lyrics and the, and, and the song into that. And uh, to see that come together, that makes something unique. And that, yeah, that's that goes beyond... Yeah, guitar or or whom who wrote it or who if it should have been the guitarist writing or traditional or yeah it's that's music in its essence and uh, yeah, yeah that goes maybe, maybe it's just a few metalheads who are allergic to keyboards I remember going to see Iron Maiden live and they actually hide their keyboard player on stage he's behind a curtain yeah I think that's more to do with the fact that there's so little keyboards in their live set that it would maybe even look a bit silly to have a keyboardist on stage because there's so little going on with the keyboards. That's true. But I think also throughout the years, if you think of the last 20, 25 years, um, people, uh, let's call them metalheads, have been coming, becoming more open-minded to the new influences uh, I mean, the styles have been in a constant state of, of development, uh, where maybe a, a twenty-year-old, twenty years ago, the the, the, the typical uh, Slayer fan would not appreciate a woman on stage, would not appreciate a keyboard player on stage. I think we really evolved into an open-minded state, and there are so much more things happening, and just accepted and yeah, found interesting. Speaking of metalheads, you headbang a lot on stage, floor. <laughs> Yeah. Uh, how do you cope with that? Do you ever get neck problems? No, no, I'm I'm, I'm good so far. Yeah. I've That's... even seen you do the like helicopter headbang thing that Tom Araya from Slayer used to do. And he had to stop because his, um, his doctor told him that he would, you know, break his neck. Yeah. Well, I'm a, I'm a couple of years behind him uh, in age. So let's see if my body, you know, pushing 40 is going to give me. But I think the fact that I that I do round circles instead of like that, that short like whiplash move um, makes it better. But uh, I can also imagine that, that it will become harder and harder as I do also age. But uh, so far, so good. <laughs> let's listen to something to headbang to. Uh, you wanted to play a Pantera track, Thomas? Yeah, this Ooh. one is called Mouth for War by Pantera, and it has the best guitar riff 
ever written. You're playing air guitar now, Thomas. Well, I can't play the real thing that well, so I have to stick with air guitar. But yeah, what a song, what a riff, what a guitarist, what a band, what a singer, everything. Yes. And it's, it's from the album Vulgar Display of Power. That's right. I love that title. Yeah. I, I suppose I love everything that's quoting The Exorcist. <laughs> <laughs> Floor, you had a Beatle named after you. Yeah. Not, not an actual member of the Beatles, but... Um, <laughs> That's my uh, first uh, association. A Beatle with... Yeah. <laughs> Paul McCartney's son or something? What? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no, but there's this scientist called Andreas Weigel who um, honoured you by naming a bug Tmesisternus Floriansanae. And yeah. <laughs> you, Thomas, was... Um, Honored in the same connect. way. There's a fungus called Ceophilia holopineni. Actually, it's not a fungus. It's a fungus net. So a it's fungus actually, net? Yeah, it's an oh. insect, like a small mosquito. Oh. Many people think it's a fungus because it's called fungus net. And net mm-hmm. is a mosquito. Uh-huh. Oh, because it's not a sort of mushroom or no. something like that. It's an insect. It's a tiny mushroom. <laughs> tiny mushroom. Here we go. <laughs> tiny mosquito that lives up in the north of Finland. Are there many biologists amongst your fans? I guess. I guess so. So yeah, yeah. yeah. Maybe also due to the, uh, the themes of, of at least the previous album and the upcoming, but it's it's more of a coincidence, maybe perhaps that both of us are now having a species named after us. Yeah. But uh, the bugs named both after bugs, us. yeah. Brilliant. But I know that you also wanted to become biologists or, or scientists when you were younger. Yeah. But I then, did, yeah. Then, uh, yeah. then rock and roll destroyed your hopes and dreams. Yeah, and look at us now. Such yeah. a miserable place we're at. <laughs> I hate my life. <laughs> yeah. Look at all this. <laughs> terrible place to be in. <laughs> yeah, no, but I, I wanted to become a biologist, but I also didn't really know what it was. Uh, thinking from a child perspective, biologists, they work with nature and with animals, and that's what I want. I don't have a very mathematical brain to start with. Give me a language and I'll learn it. But <laughs> You're really good at that. Phenomenal. But yeah, I went to the university to study environmental sciences, biology for half a, half a year back in 1998. And it wasn't at all what I expected. So maybe as a kid, as a teenager, I had a bit of a too romantic picture of what becoming a biologist would be like. So what did you expect it to be? Immediately like Jacques Cousteau. <laughs> you know, having adventures all around the world, f- discovering new species, not the studying part. Mm-hmm. But uh, at the moment, Nightwish was really taking off big time. So I kind of decided to see how far we could get with that. And here we are. 
On your previous album, Endless Forms Most Beautiful, there's a 24-minute track called The Greatest Show on Earth, named after a book by the famous biologist and atheist Richard Dawkins, and you even invited him to read a passage from the book. How did you manage to get him into the studio? We wrote him a letter, and he didn't reply, so I wrote him another letter, and then he replied, and all was set. He happened to have an agent who is a big fan of Nightwish, so I think he had a big say into that. Because he had never heard of the band before, but he sent me an email um, and saying that I've never heard of your band. I went to YouTube, took a a good listen, and I enjoyed what I heard. Something like that. So let's make this thing happen. And he reads this passage that kind of gives a beautiful meaning to life without God, life without divine purpose. And he he reads this passage saying, we are going to die and that makes us the lucky ones. Most people are never going to die because they are never going to be born. The potential people who could have been here in my place, but who will in fact never see the light of day, outnumber the sand grains of Sahara. Certainly those unborn ghosts include greater poets than Keats, Scientists greater than Newton. That's very beautiful and a bit sad. I don't sad. think it's sad at all. It's uplifting. We're, very, we're here. Yeah, really. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, but you think about all the people never born. You know how. Yeah. Well, imagine that all of them would be born. Yeah, we would have a problem. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So you don't believe in God. How about Satan? It's He's the same thing, isn't God, it? Isn't <laughs> I just don't believe in believing. There's so much that we know. That there's so much that that we can believe in, as in we know that it's there. There's so much knowledge, and there is so much. There are so many facts, not something that we need to interpret or is it real or not. We already know it's real. That you know that it may be the old days where you feel like you need to believe in something because it 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 gives you a, a, a sense of safety. That's no longer necessary in the modern day of of science and knowledge. And it's really fascinating that we are the ones who need to argue our position. Because like you just introduced Richard Dawkins, you said that uh, this quote is from the world-famous biologist and atheist Richard Dawkins. Why do you have to include that? Like, world-famous biologist and a unicornist Richard Dawkins. Well, he's a militant atheist. No, he's not. So he's very well known for that. He was even on a South Park (laughs) episode. Talking about, you know... What on earth is a militant atheist? It's a silly term. You think he, so? Yes, very silly. He's Did vocal, for sure, and he's passionate about his agenda, as I am. But militant, that's such a misleading word. I don't think that he organized himself a group of people that go to people's other people's doors and knock on the door and say, hey, I need to talk to you about something. You know, I'm an atheist and I want you to become an atheist too. Hey, I'm going to burn, build a massive church where I invite people to brainwash them on a, on a daily basis. Hey, I'm going to release a book that I think that you have to read and everything that's in there is the truth and everything else is not true. Hey, I'm going to start the Crusades and kill ma- millions of people who do not believe exactly what I do. Did he do that? That would be militant. Well, not, that not, would be militant. Not yet. We're waiting for that to happen. Well, I think that's a very negative I, I guess, take on the I guess the his thing. fans are more vocal than him. But I, I read his... Um, I don't he, think so. He, he wrote The God Delusion, right? Yeah. Yep. That was him, yeah. 
right. Uh, sit back and enjoy. This is uh, Strange Machines from The Gathering. A track that I picked because uh, this is the, the song that got me into metal. As in, I can be a singer in a metal band. They're from the Netherlands. Yeah. 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 I like to sing and I like metal, but I never thought of singing in a metal band. There were no bands with female singers, um, maybe in the 80s, but that I didn't know about yet in the, in the late 90s. Uh, so when, when, when this song came on the radio, I, uh, that, that just planted the seed of this is something that I could do. This is something that I really would like to do and that style of singing too, with the long notes and the higher singing, not operatic or, or you know, But yeah, she just, the singer here, Annika Rakiersberg, and she really, yeah, got me into it. The word epic is often used when people talk about Nightwish. Um, what, what do you think is the best way to create an epic track? Are there any instruments that can create a feeling like that? <laughs> I'm not quite sure what it means. Again, we have heard many times during this promotional tour that, okay, Nightwish has again done its biggest album ever. And I'm not quite sure what it means. We have done the longest album for sure. We are dealing with some big issues thematically in the lyrics, yes. But what does it mean to be really epic and really big? Maybe you know. It's, it must be a subjective thing, but... Um If you compare it to a singer-songwriter um, album with with bass guitar and, and vocals, for instance, there's so much more happening. If if that would mean epic, as in uh, instrumentally and musically and vocally, there's so much more happening than in uh, other music. It, not in terms of good or or or, or not. Or the, yeah, that gives an epic sound. I um, yeah. I don't know. It's it's it for me. It's up in the same alley as calling people rock stars, and it's an ungraspable thing that has a very subjective ring to it. <laughs> yes, you're epic rock stars. Thank you, Thomas. You've often mentioned the composer Hans Zimmer, who um, he writes kind of epic music. I guess I, I wanted to play you my favorite track of his from the movie True Romance. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. This is actually a cover of uh, Karl Orff's Gassenhauer, which okay. is an old 
track based on music by the lute player Hans Neuslieder from 1536. So this melody is ancient, mm-hmm. but it, it works so well in that movie. I'm not sure if you've seen it. True Romance. I haven't seen it, no. Uh, I have the soundtrack though, but I haven't seen the film. Starts with the images of winter in Detroit, people freezing to death, and you have this beautiful, uplifting, epic music. There's something waiting for us on the other side. I think we need to <laughs> the, go. The now. other side of that door. So you have to leave already? Oh. oh. I did think of ancient. One small anecdote I'd like to add that maybe was not uh, wasn't told before is that in our long, beautiful uh, tenth track, maybe it's better you to, you do the talking. But the, the, um, one melody is based on the, if I say it correctly, the most the oldest uh, uh, written music found on on a piece of stone. Yes, that was ancient, ancient beyond fifteen hundreds, ancient. It's yeah, fourteen hundred BC. BC. This song was written on a stone tablet, and it's made for a nine-string lyra in what's present-day Syria. And finally, about twenty years ago, the music scientists were able to decipher how the melody goes, and we covered it. On so this that album. was the very first symphonic metal ever written. That's what she or he wanted to do. With just a lyra, yeah, it didn't yeah. have any keyboards or anything. So, and they hope that yet. one Probably day, not. but it was definitely epic. Yeah. Two thousand yeah. years from now, <laughs> I hope somebody <laughs> will cover this song someday. <laughs> <laughs> All right, mission accomplished. So you didn't have to pay for uh, royalties or anything. To <clears throat> we haven't heard from his or her relatives <laughs> yet. From the <laughs> owners, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Okay. okay, thanks, Nightwish. Lovely to have you here. It's great thanks being for here. having us. Thank you. Thanks, Mickey. Den här podcasten producerades av Daniel Bäckström för Leon Media. Nightwish och här måste Now you're a star